as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Okay, so we're back with another exclusive episode. I have uh, Facebook uh, TV Elite member, uh, Hugh Kniss. David, uh, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm very well, Cameron. Thank you for having me on this. Um, anytime, anytime. Uh, in addition, if you don't mind me doing a quick plug, in addition to TV Elite, um, I run a number of podcasts myself, um, all of which are on hiatus, funnily enough, right now. <laughs> oh, man. You can listen to them um, by the usual sort of networks online. One is uh, Hustlers of Culture, which has been running five years, uh, which is myself and my film critic friend Leslie just talking about whatever takes our fancy. Uh, one is Binges and Box Sets, where my friend Anna Hussey and I review television shows. And finally, there's Real History, which is um, where myself and my friend Jenna, who is at the, in the process of doing a master's in history, and I, I'm a, an English and history teacher by training as well as having worked in film and TV, um, she and I take a film that's historically based and we talk about the history side of it. And then at the end, we give it a score, you know, just for fun, you know, so, <laughs> you know, we haven't done Braveheart yet, but for example, we would do something like Braveheart <laughs> and at the end it would be like, Hey, 20% is accurate. The rest is rubbish. You know? So that's what, that's what, that's what people can find me online and, and what I do. You can find all those podcasts on Facebook and Twitter if you want to talk to me. So, uh, but thank you for the invite. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I do like what I see of your work online when, when you've posted stuff for us to read and review and I chat. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, it's good to just kind of discuss a lot of stuff because yeah, for a while there was so many Facebook groups, long story short, that just had just kind of just so many snobs, just people who couldn't, you know, write to save their lives, just would get in arguments for the sake of it. And it's like, how old are you fuckers? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It does feel like you need to go somewhere where people are a bit more reasonable. And if someone does come along and say, Well, actually I don't like that thing you posted about, nobody gets into a fight about it and the person yeah. doesn't themselves make a big deal. The widescreen group was good, and they did have to cut down on people who were just, you know, bashing each other over the award-winning movies. And it's like, okay, mm. we're gonna have we're gonna have a mix of everything, blockbusters and everything. So stop doing this whole, you know, I don't watch that. And it's like this is for everybody. We all kind of watch a bit of everything, and we all, you know. I don't understand it anymore. Like, like I, I, I'm old enough to be pre-internet, and you know, back then the way I saw it was if you ran into someone and they happened to like uh, a film you did, like the films we're going to talk about tonight, then that was kind of uh, that was the thing you bonded over. 
and 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 if you didn't if you disagreed about it, you just didn't waste time arguing. It was like this, you know, life's too short. You know, let's just have, talk about something we do like to discuss. Exactly. And then, right, and that all seems to have gone now in in the current era. It seems to be that people want to. I don't know. People seem to have such an attachment to these things that if you attack or if you even vaguely criticize the thing they love, you are criticizing them. And I'm like, separate the two guys. There's that. And it's like, I don't know. People seem to just get more just stuck up recently. And it's like, okay, so when did we start having all these guys who are just, I don't know, just all of a sudden just being just like stirring up trouble, just stirring up conflict. Mm. Oh oh my God. I love that. I hate that. And it's just like, Mm. Can you just, it used to be you were short, sweet, to the point, you were a little descriptive, and now somewhere along the way, everyone just had to be just very, just vague, 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 and oh, how Mm. dare you, sir, and it's like, okay, so now you're mixing insults with, and stating it as a joke, come on now. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder how much of that has come out of um, people's first interactions of this kind being over a headset and mic while they're shooting each other. And this is not me to... to, to, I love video games. I am not being down on it. But what I mean is the... There was... I got out of first-person shooters, like, nearly 20 years ago because we would install Quake 3 at the local internet cafe where I worked and <laughs> we were all having fun doing LAN parties and stuff and then we opened it up to the internet and the next thing you know you've got some 12 year old camping out who takes you apart and leaves you a, a finely worded insult on the bottom you know, and then you, you, you're done you, know, you become fodder and I was like well what's the point I didn't come, I don't pay my money to be online to game for the sake of being someone else's uh, cannon fodder and that was the start of it and then i noticed after a while that the, a lot of the dialogue and the, the communication yes it's based in kind of you know trash talking a la sports or a la wwe but exactly. it, where that where that leads is where we where is the thing you just described you know it's that kind of at the end result is i can't speak in depth about everything because i need it to be so short that you spot it when i type it or if i say it briefly and... Yeah, and if you're just going to be a douche and just you know a teabag yeah. or commit yeah. friendly fire, then I don't want to play this game. And yeah, I, I stopped worrying about online when my Sony PS3 kind of crashed on its online, and I just said, okay, well, it's always better with people I know anyway. Mm. Mm. Instead of five year olds, you know, using every kind of non PC you know verbiage. And I get that that's part of gaming culture, but at the same time, that's also where I think there's a lot of uh, just disruptive forces, so to speak, and you know some mm-hmm. real actual Nazis just hiding behind that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very true, very true. It is quite a scary situation online, and which has leaked into the real world. But um, but the prophecy predates all that. <laughs> yeah, you know this is an interesting franchise. So getting into it, guys, uh, it's an action, uh, sci-fi horror. Uh, fantasy franchise it's you know been pretty much placed in every area at all of video stores it was just always one of those you just see it on tv on occasion sci-fi channel would on occasion show both the first and second movie uh fx would back in the days when they owned pretty much every other kind of Lionsgate or dimension films uh production Mm -hmm. would show part free uh so it's a five-part series it was actually directed by the creator of highlander gregory wyden Mm -hmm. Yeah, hit and miss career with him with the whole, uh, you know, backdraft. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had forgotten he'd been behind backdraft. I was talking about backdraft with a friend of mine recently, and I just I completely forgotten he wrote that because he was a firefighter. Uh, that that's wild, and so that kind of explains kind of just some of the 
utter mysticism and just uncanny mm. nature of it. Uh, there's a lot of other just kind of details of this. Uh, it, you know, it's known for starring, you know, Christopher Walken, you know, pre fame, mm. uh, post fame as a, uh, you know, Archangel Gabriel. And um, it's interesting how uh, each of these is pretty much it's pretty similar to Highlander in and of itself. And everyone, you know, mm -hmm. when everyone thinks of Highlander, they're like, oh, you know, uh, you know, sword fights. It's like, no, I mean, just in terms of like immortals, you know, coming to fight yes. each other, some, you know, actual uh, scripture that they swear by. And uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, part part one is definitely one of those, uh, uh, much like Constantine and Lucifer, the TV show and comic, you know, it's been mm -hmm. interesting how some people kind of reference it both in terms of the folklore, as well as just what was that one movie, you know, with, such mm. and such and for whatever in recent years i've seen a lot of people say oh what's the movie where vigo mortensen plays lucifer and he's like well this yeah. is the one this is the one and uh yeah i, I kind of was hit and miss on it when i first saw it i would I, I saw so many critics i know and liked uh just bash it and i was just like it's not it's hardly what i would call garbage it's kind of loose in its mm -hmm. tell it's depiction kind of like blade you kind of just have to rewatch it a few times to really figure out where it's going it's mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. scary, scary horror, but it is kind of just because it's dealing with demons and everything. And there's some gory segments, mm -hmm. you know, it gets that. Um, but what, what's your takedown on it? Um, I mean, so so here's the thing. I kind of have a taste for oddball one offs that try and do things we've seen in written fiction. Well, and so I'm a big fan of uh, the two the two films where people say to me, oh, name me something I probably haven't seen that's really good. Prophecy is one, and the other one is um, Cast a Deadly Spell, a.k.a. Lovecraft, which was one of HBO's yes. first big movies. Yeah. And that also is that, you know, goes in every section of the video store kind of thing, you know, because it was Private Eye, it was it was a little bit of comedy, but it was the, 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 there was the horror element. Lovecraft-inspired, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, the, and so I was. Go on. sorry. Yeah, the, this one is definitely one that could have easily been a Twilight Zone or X Files type episode. So yeah. I think there's some appeal there. Just all these, and uh, you know, this uh, I, I I joke recently that this might be a prequel to Candyman because you got Virginia it, Manson once wow. again just fighting a, you know, that's kind dead. of a cool thought. Um, <laughs> I, I wish it was, but and it yeah. is kind of similar to Candyman if you just want to see something kind of loosely gothic i guess and it's just making use of its yeah. uh where it's located in this case it's not new orleans or chicago it's arizona and there's a native yeah. american ritual place so it's very mystical i mean here's the thing i i cannot find i've been looking for years for like a decent interview with gregory wyden the creator uh is it wyden or, or viden i don't know i guess it's wyden i think i, I would go with wyden i mean yeah so greg wyden you know i can't find I mean, I've been looking for years, you know, and I can't find much. Um, and and other than knowing what he's written and the fact that he also wrote a novel, which is also quite interesting in its style and so forth, um, I all we can do is rely on what he what we see, you know, with proper artistic kind of uh, assessment. And the prophecy when it dropped at the time, it's middle of the '90s. Like you mentioned, all those things that it could fit into, and it's it's the perfect time for it. Twilight Zone, X Files you know, uh, Candyman, it's the, it's 95, the prophecy comes out and it, uh, at least I don't, in England, it didn't get a theatrical. We, we, we got it straight to VHS. And I remember 
I remember buying the VHS thinking for some something had sold me on the idea. I can't remember what it was. I think it might have been the cast to begin with. Because gotcha. Elias Cartius, I really like in a lot of things. He was great in Casey um, Jones, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> absolutely, no, absolutely. You know, there was that was that side, and then there was his art house side with um, Exotica and stuff like that. And then you get Virginia Madsen, who you know, after the hotspot. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you uh, go. And so, yeah, and uh, Eric Stoltz here plays the good yeah? angel named Simon. So you know, yeah. it's interesting how you know that I think that's kind of the cult of its appeal you got you know fans of the actors seeked it out as well as just it's kind of mm. its own original mix making use of old testament you know christianity yeah. as well as just but it's not being a preachy movie it's just all it doesn't have any religious agenda it's just all just fantasy no. angels fighting good versus evil yeah. um uh but you you said it was like highlander i think that's the key because there is an earlier script of highlander that is Greg Wyden's entire draft before it got rewritten and then, you know, gl gl uh, glammed up with the rock with the rock video stuff. And it's so <laughs> much leaner and it's so much more like the prophecy. It's much more kind of, you oh, know, yeah. guys, guys in coats and with their swords hidden going around like forests and towns and churchyards. And it's none of exactly. it's in the big city. And you got you the know. weather kind of speaking for everybody to create yeah. a mood. And, and uh, so, so I wonder yeah. So do you think it, that may have influenced this? Do you think that maybe the prophecy is partly him going, well, they didn't do that the way I wanted. This is what I'm going to do now. <laughs> exactly. And he still had contacts here at Dimension Films, you know, who had taken over yeah. uh, the franchise by of Highlander by that point. So there you go. And uh, oh, yeah, uh, this good point. Yeah. It, it was just a cheaper to make movie. You know, it could have mm. easily gotten like, like you say, some countries went straight to videos. Some countries got, you know, brief release. But Either way, it did definitely, you know, uh, every other few years, I see it just show on the various movie channels. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, again, rarely, you know, shown on sci-fi because it is pretty, it's brief gore, but that's just it. They have to do a lot of just yeah. quick editing. But it's, I think that's just it. It's just kind of just laid back. Even though there's some Native American ritual, it doesn't involve a house, so you can't say it's a shining knockoff. It's just one of those, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just fun. <laughs> And uh, it's kind of interesting how, uh, uh, on a recent rewatch, it's not the most deepest, but it's also not mindless either, no. if that makes sense. It's not shallow, but it is just kind of just very, a little deliberately vague. It's very, because it's trying to be mysterious and it's just using yes. the actors to get that point across. So if you're a fan of, you know, again, what we, all these other stuff we've been talking about, Candyman, uh, uh, Hellraiser. Is there maybe even uh, Phantasm, Blade, yeah. or yeah, yeah, Wishmaster? Even the Crow, maybe there's a little because there's a little bit of the Gothic in the way the angels are styled. They're all oh, yeah. long hair, sunglasses. I mean, Eric Stoltz's coat. I wanted that coat, man. There you <laughs> it's go. just yeah. like that was such a great looking coat. But and then there, well, there, that's the other thing the I craft noticed. Craft in the days. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The craft definitely, particularly with Prophecy Two and sort of Brittany Murphy's character in Prophecy Two. Yeah, that, <laughs> was there a connection there? <laughs> no, but would be, I can see someone who liked one going, "Oh, you know, I I can get with her character on that one." Um, I think it, but it's, it's. I think this was the thing, wasn't it? It's almost like this was this was what Dimension was cashing in on, wasn't it? In the nineties, you know, yeah, not the prophecy itself, but all these other elements we're mentioning, and it's like the prophecy somehow just 
fell into like this kind of in sort of the middle of all of these things we're talking about without being one of those targeted things where it was like we are making this to sell it to you know it wasn't like every other dimension horror franchise where every sequel is just hey make sure the teenagers get to see the same thing we want to show them every time you know exactly. this is the weird one this is the, the 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 oh it's the guy who made highlander he'll it'll be great you know and you're like it's so not like what you expect it to be. It's funny and it's hard boiled. And there are moments that feel like hard boiled crime with Cartius as the cop, you know, the cop who's lost his faith. But then you have all these, then, you know, halfway through it switches to being out, as you say, you know, Native American reservations and out in the desert. And, you know, there's this, I never understand why they're going to school in a building that is so bad that it, they think it might have, fragrance in it i never got that you know like is it a church that got ruined or something i don't know i think and everyone's get... kind of drawn to it because they're just yeah. like so mystical everyone talks about the folklore of it but like you yeah. say that could have been better developed that section um like you say a lot of people kind of write these off because you know dimension was going crazy on the you know horror sequel bandwagon like you know children in the core and all that crap but this is way more high highbrow as opposed to lowbrow yeah. It's not yeah. uh, even if you want lowbrow stuff like from Dust Till Dawn, I recommend everyone check this out because it's just kind of it's just laid back. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's also very interesting kind of just seeing how, for lack of a better word, how uh, they just kind of just embrace a lot of these kind of just you, you, brought, you brought the crime elements. That's kind of very true. It does kind of have a lot of I come in peace, shocker. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It even fallen with Denzel Washington, you know, so it's just this is around mm -hmm. the same time mm -hmm. where they're doing all the just, you know, supernatural forces and there's either an authority figure or there's just another entity. Maybe definitely like the Terminator where, you know, the pursuing supernatural force has to stalk a family or a woman and, you know, yeah, it's up to someone yeah, else who's just as capable and you're along for the ride because you just want to see how it'll turn out and it's very rewarding. It's Again, it may not be the best franchise of all time, but it's hardly poppycock. It's hardly just, you know, earth-shattering. Oh, what were they thinking? Um, <laughs> there's definitely never... Mo there might be a few cheesy music elements, but there, most of these definitely don't have moments where you're just like, hmm, you know, and just, <laughs> this just looks so schlocky. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the other thing that makes it that makes it still really watchable. Twenty five, oh god, twenty five years on, you yeah. know, is this thing, <laughs> you know, a lot of practical effects and a lot of you know the 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 effects work well and they're restrained and he doesn't overdo it and even though he's asking the actors to do a lot of the 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 hard work of convincing the audience that something serious is happening here without the script telling you anything straight up as you said you know he's trying to hint at stuff um all of that that's what gives it the weight right i mean you know we know how good these actors are even before this film and even after this film you know Viggo mortensen for example right and so when they come they really do just bring what we know them to i mean like i'd forgotten how good mortensen is in this you know he just just he turns up he does his thing he's very sinister with very little with just a little bit of lighting and the coat and the beard but then he gets that moment at the end where you discover how just how really twisted he is as lucifer yeah and you're like oh you know pretty much um and 
even though it kind of doesn't use the typical kind of storytelling method, you know, act one, act two, it just kind of, uh, it, it creates an, at least enough of a world to where you kind of want to rewatch it. Christopher Walken's mm. not able to shake his New Jersey accent, but it doesn't <laughs> come off as just like, oh, you know, just like, shut up. It's not like a Schwarzenegger thing where it's like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm not German. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. It's this is not um, end of days, quite. You know, it's, yeah. It's, um, It'd be an interesting but, double feature, though. I, I, I gotta oh, say, yeah, that would be good. I, I, I might have to do that actually. Um, the thing Gabriel I like Byrne, about... you want to fight Chris Walken on the screen as the devil. <laughs> Byrne versus Mortensen. I know who my money's on. <laughs> oh, the, oh man. Oh, that'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't just be great. Um, I think I think one of the things that I find interesting rewatching the first three back to back. I'll be I'll put my hand up and say I've never seen four and five, which I know are uh, in the mythology, but are effectively their own kind of TV movie separate piece, so to speak. Um, I know that uh, Walken's accent is really interesting. I don't know how they got him to do these films. Like like I don't know what was the deal, the contract. I presume with the first film he thought he was like interested in the idea. But in the second and third film his accent not only comes out more, but he's almost redo re saying lines from the first film. Like, like they're trying to turn him into a kind of not just Candyman, but he, they, you know it's almost like they're trying to turn his Archangel Gabriel into a uh a, 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 a one of these horror movie figures a la you know you name any franchise where they have a catchphrase and they have a way of repeating it you know he's what yeah. they want him to be that and he 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 can't be that he's he's something you know you can he fundamentally as a character won't be that and you can just sort of see him kind of chewing the words and just his accent comes out more. And he, by the time you get to the last one he's he's like more of a human more of a he goes through this phase of being the the archangel in the first film he's almost like a gangster in the second film like he's just walked out of king of new york with a different outfit and then exactly. in the third film, in the third film, he's—I don't even know what to describe what he is in the third film. He's just uh, so different. Yeah, these movies—they're distorted. But fortunately enough, people have made notes on them, so I have you know the Wikipedia page in front of us. But it's—I uh, oh, cool. uh, haven't gone through them recently. Uh, they definitely—I I can definitely say they have a bit of a change of tone. Uh, but like you—that's totally true. Where it's just like. They were trying to market it like all the other franchises, but yet it, it wasn't going to be like that because it's just mm. doesn't even have the same kind of plot arcs or characteristics, so to speak. Because like you say, Gabriel is just kind of a mischief maker. You know, he's not exactly like the leprechaun, but he's definitely not at all like, you know, Mike Myers or, you know, Pinhead, where yeah, he's just going to stock. Exactly. Uh, I think he they just, were trying to position him like that, but they didn't. He succeed. does add a lot to it. He where he's just kind of like, uh, I mean, so with movie one, it's just kind of a fun, just kind of uh, world building, followed by occasional, you know, suspenseful moments, and then just an all-out slugfest. But yeah, pretty much, it, it, it does kind of what you think is going to happen doesn't happen, and that's kind of what makes it stand out more. It's just atypical. So mm -hmm. four out of five for me, Prophecy 2, uh, you know, first director video sequel. This mm -hmm. we are greeted by a new presence in the form of Jennifer Bills. Hi, Jen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being yeah. shaped by the <laughs> vanishing shun known as uh, Russell Wong, who would later yes. go on to be on blockbusters like Escape Plan Free and Romeo Must Die. So there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. 
plays a good angel, Danielle, and this actually has a romance with a human. So this is an interesting differentiation. Um, I like how it's not, you know, even though there's some, there's some brief sex, it's not a sleazy movie. Uh, a scene stiller for me was the Archangel, good angel, you know, uh, Michael, played by yes. Eric Roberts. So this Always. is as close. This is as close as you get to Obi Wan versus Darth Vader. You got it. <laughs> yeah. just staring yeah. down, saying, "If you enter, you will yeah. be defeated by the forces of good." He says something to that extent, but not, yeah. you know, not word for word, guys. I'm not yeah. quoting the movie because yeah, how can you quote enough. this movie? But yeah, he, he just uh, him staring down Chris Walken is actually a pretty fun scene because it's just yeah. two yeah. actors who star in anything, and yes. just seeing them just kind of just both just chewing it up and actually believing it is like that's pretty cool i'm not gonna lie yeah it is great and then and the funny the thing i like about the second one the second one for me is still the weakest of the three but the second one is the one that i still enjoy on a kind of slightly trashy level uh like you say it's got really good well it's got really good actors like you say it's got it's got people who can perform and 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 they're in this weirdly low budget film that is written by a future uh, the future producer of, of game of thrones <laughs> yeah or one of them you know um and shot by him and he's clearly working through a very limited budget and doing his very level best and they can't afford even like even the lighting is not as good as the first film or the third no film. You know, it's very it's kind of it's very urban and very kind of yeah, we're just going to shoot very quickly here. But then you get people like Brittany Murphy, you know, rest her soul, you know, who's a really good performer, you know, really puts her heart into a really small character that's very underwritten. Beals is never less than good in anything. Yeah. Does. Like, I've never seen her do anything bad, even in junk. Uh, Roberts, we all love Roberts, man. <laughs> you know, you got to love Roberts. Yeah, but Glenn Danzig turns up for like 30 seconds and he's like, Right, good for what he is, right? Um, yeah, Elizabeth Dennehy st- shows up, yeah. Bruce Abbott from Reanimator shows up as a priest, right. but uh, this was well, he's technically playing the Cottius role. Thomas Daggett is actually meant to be the, the, the cop who goes back to being a monk. That's technically the connection, it's not quite exact, mm-hmm. but it's you know, they spell it with, a, with an extra T, but it's the same name. Gotcha. Um, um, and then the other thing that they're doing with continuity, which is the thing I really love about this set of films, is the is Steve Heitner as Joseph, the guy, the 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 morgue attendant. Yes, that's literally the only connection other than Gabriel is. <laughs> yeah, he's in the first three movies, always has the same lab tech. And uh, like yeah. you say, the lighting isn't always the same, but it's never at a point where you're just like, this is clearly direct video. It's one of those. Yes. You no know, dimension was always good about. And, you know, artisan entertainment was always good about just making these kinds of movies that, you know, whether they were direct-to-video or for TV or cinema, they all looked theatrical, if that makes sense. And uh, this was was well-liked by uh, Moria.nz, you know, the Academy of Science Fiction Fantasy. Oh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, Richard Scheib. Yeah, I I, I read that place from time to time, and they always bring up so many obscure ones that are great encyclopedia and... They award the Saturn Awards, but yeah, they were really taken back by this back when it came out. I think it won a few awards. So uh, that, that's true. Uh, it's interesting. I guess as trashy as it gets is that you know Gabriel, like you say, just kind of lets out just to steal a few over the top lines, but it's just walking, you know, chewing scenery. He takes this teenage girl played by Brittany Murphy, and basically she's just committed suicide, and he's like, "Yeah, but you know about these guys, so I need your assistance in locating them." And you get to just not die. <laughs> yeah. And she gets the great line of going, 
so you kept me alive because you don't know DOS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> there, there are some fun stuff. And it kind of stop, it avoids being lowbrow, but it isn't, you know, it's not a grade, but it's a decent beat picture. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Compared compared to other movies where it was just like they would rush it, they would use crappy slow motion or some other garbage, you know, that this does not yeah. do that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I'm still trying to work out how they got that good a cast for the second one. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the first one has a great cast and I get I get why. I can imagine that you know the script is pretty good, you know, but then you get the sequel written by someone else with another director and it's like, yeah. We'll turn up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think this was around the time where they were doing a lot of movies and they were indecisive on where they would release them. And Okay. And it seemed like that was pretty common with Dimension. This could have gone to the theater and killed it. And then again, yeah. probably not. But it did its job. Um, yeah. And so uh, three and a half, maybe four out of five. Yeah, I'd go with that. I'd go with that. I mean, one thing I got to say about... Uh, the, the big difference for me between the two is the style and quality of the action. Like Dan Bradley, who ran the stunts on the first film, of course, would go on to much greater fame. Oh, uh, yeah. Born Identity, Expendables, yeah. and Bond films. Like, holy fuck. All, all of that. And there's 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 nobody quite as good as him in the, on two and three. I mean, Russell Wong gets to show a little bit of the skill he's got. But weirdly, for a film that involves alien, uh, angels crashing into each other and finding each other, you know, you don't really see his martial arts you just see more of his physical presence as a whole and in that sense it's more of an acting role for him I, uh, that's a very good point he doesn't it's like he didn't want to be typecast so he hmm. at the same time just kind of like you know he's been in other big crime movies like you know new jack city and so oh yeah to see him just kind of here just kind of he just tries to be naturally good and uh he and bills actually do have a pr lot of cool chemistry and sex appeal so i think that yeah i thought sells it as opposed to just being a you know routine and it's yeah. definitely a little more highlander here when you see some of the lightning and weather doing the talking <laughs> that's that's true <laughs> um, so yeah part, part three picks up right up after part two uh walkins in the background as a supporting character he's now an angel as banished from being an angel they haven't killed him they just said okay you're gonna be a bum you're gonna be a human <laughs> yeah yeah they basically make him a human which is like his worst nightmare which is quite clever mm -hmm. um and but also uh, there's no instead of find... just we're gonna resurrect you for the billionth time you came back to life <laughs> it wasn't enough yeah. the first time yeah, you exactly. respawned like in a video game yeah um yeah, I mean, both both the, both of the sequels are very good at like picking up in the first few minutes, even if they just use like voiceover, but and have someone who's a sound alike. But they're very good at filling in the connection, you know. So like you hear at the beginning of Prophecy Two, you hear someone who's clearly not Viggo Mortensen, you know, right. doing Viggo Mortensen Satan and saying, "Oh, I'll bring you back." Uh, and then in this one, as you say, we start straight away. We have somebody who looks like Jennifer Beals. I'm not convinced it actually is her. It's uh, not her. No. Yeah. Um, but you just have a brief scene to fill in what's happened to her from the first film and the fact that she's now got somebody to protect, et cetera, et cetera. If you, by the way, if you're listening to us this far, we, we've been really good about not being too spoilery, but I think we do need to mention at this point, and this is a spoiler for the two, is that uh, at the beginning of three, the character who's supposed to be Bill, uh, she has a kid, and that's the essence. That's essential to us talking about three. We can't talk about three without mentioning 
right so we can kind of direct continuation and uh walking is again just a supporting character still just kind of hanging out at the various bars at this point he's way more cynical and kind of just laid back just kind of a on terrible ally. <laughs> yeah there were some moments where he's like is that his hair or not i i can't tell but it <laughs> i've seen worse though i've seen so many other worse movies that use stock footage or some other garbage um we have uh, vincent spano as a fallen angel who's here to be the protector and uh yeah, this does a good like... job yeah it does a good job of just kind of just up in the game and not uh just you know making use of all the various semi-known and unknowns who've done everything mm-hmm. you know tv guest spots mm-hmm. uh voice acting and uh yeah spano he would later be fbi agent porter on law and order svu but he's done plenty of other tv movies and films mm-hmm. like indian summer alive city of hope so yeah fun actor who unfortunately does a lot of you know made for tv material but uh, uh yeah it, there's a few not bad car chases in here uh i would say mm-hmm. it felt like slightly over long but it wasn't boring it was again just more fantasy kind of good versus evil fighting each other um near the end it looked like they slightly ran out of budget but it wasn't mm-hmm. it, it, it feels more like a music video and i gotta say it is pretty watchable despite it being by the same guys who worked on you know every other Wes Craven knockoff and yeah. uh, Terminator Genesis sucks. So, well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, so, so uh, Joel Swasson, who was a producer in all these films and, and wrote the third one, um, he, he understands Pat- it better than anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And he and Patrick Lucia, Patrick Lucia directed that third one. I started keeping an eye on Lucia just because I was like, well, okay, he did something. He, he made, he did his best with very little and I was quite impressed. And like you say, he was like dimensions go to guy. For all, right. for all these lower films, and then and then and then when he finally got his chance, he did um, My Bloody Valentine 3D, and then he did Drive Angry. Right. And I I have a I saw both of those in the cinema. I have a, a a soft spot for both of them as kind of slightly bigger budgeted trash, but fully embracing <laughs> the trash. You know, they they know what they are and they have fun with it. And I feel like. It's great what going back and watching Prophecy Three, and you kind of sort of see that that this is where he's starting out and where he's going to go. Um, I think it's you were saying earlier with the first one that sense of the Terminator, the the relentlessness of the foe. This one's very Terminator. You know, what I mean the the yes, the, the, the kid absolutely. is very kind of um, Terminator to John Connor. He's very kind of uh, Edward Furlong. Um, except now he's bit old enough to have to be the guy on the bike with the sunglasses. The way he gets it is very Arnie. Um, yeah, and very true. Do, you know, but then they do other things which I really enjoyed. Like one of the things that I, I still enjoy because I'd forgotten it happens is the fact that the girl from the first film turns up now older when they get to the the to the to the the the, uh, yes, the reservation. They, they have all these Easter eggs that actually aren't half bad. And yeah, yeah do a good job of just kind of just allowing i did forget about that and i did have to check it at first i was like oh okay cool and um (laughs) it's kind of interesting how um basically uh it just allows uh the whole thing to flow better there there's never at any point where you feel like someone who wasn't involved from day one doesn't have anything to do with this here and uh 
it, it there's no forced humor or anything it's, but at the same time it's having fun doing what it's doing so it's never it's serious but it's never to the point where you're just like this is just so formulaic and boring you know <laughs> unimaginative so i agree i agree so given what we gave prophecy 2 as a score what would you give prophecy 3 then uh, probably a three and a half or a three out of five. It's definitely watchable. It's not, it's not a bad way to end the whole franchise, and it's definitely mm-hmm. better than what Lucier later went on to do. Like again, Genesis, mm-hmm. Terminator Genesis, which was yeah, a big which I still haven't seen. <laughs> I was not a fan of that. I was, just, I know many are, but you look at it now, it's just it had cool ideas, but it was just very trashy in execution. So I was just like, okay. Mm-hmm. Here, so the reason I'm asking you. What, what you score you'd give it i noticed something really strange in the credits right and given what we've been saying about the, the way dimension were doing things the way people were involved i i am trying to work out why these people these people all got thank yous on prophecy three not on the oh, other really two, okay yeah where's craven jeff Sachs, who i know as a, a director because he did um the doctor who tv movie that had eric roberts in it guillermo del toro and steve minor all of whom I know did Miramax stuff in the 90s. They probably were just being, giving him pointers, giving him support, and he was just I thanking guess. them. Because he yeah. had edited for, uh, Lucier had edited for Craven and all those other guys, so. Oh, I'd forgotten that. Right. So given it's his first directing, I think he, he edited have... Mimic, which was a Del Toro, so there you go. Yes, that makes sense. That I, You know what? I completely missed that. That it makes so <laughs> much sense. I, I, you know, I was just like, wow, that's really impressive that he got all these people to help him somehow. But yeah. Uh, oh, and that also explains the Doctor Who TV movie connection because he edited that as well. <laughs> I've just spotted it. I've just found it on IMDb. So... And 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 he and this this all comes round again because he he was an editor on three episodes of the Highlander TV. There series. you go. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, it meant just to all loops round. Oh my god. So yeah, Scream, Mimic, ha- Halloween H two O. God, he really was the go to guy for that for 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 um for editing for the for Miramax, wasn't he? For for Dimension. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. <laughs> I've, oh, he! Oh, do you know what? I've never seen Red Eye. I should see that. I really want to see that at some point. That was one West Craven I've not seen. Let me try and see that. Anyway, sorry, sorry. So, no, so okay. you go go down the rabbit hole of IMDb. And go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that was so that so that was it, so that was the felt at the time like the end of the trilogy. It had gone into a really bonkers place in terms of its own logic because it, it <clears throat> the basic premise of angels fighting each other because they're unhappy that God decided to favor humans over them i i have a lot of time for the idea because i don't think it's the most ridiculous concept to come out of the many bits and pieces that formulate christianity in its text right it's like it's mm-hmm. not the craziest thing when you look at the various texts that were not put into the the bible as a whole in 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 at the Council of Nicaea in what was it, three forty-eight AD? I can't remember. Three forty-nine. Anyway, when the when the Roman Church at the time said, "Hey, this is what the Bible really is," um, and so I, I always enjoy people who like to, to mess around with that. But by the time we get to Prophecy Three, we are just out there. We're just in whole other territory with you know that's the Scottish actor who's playing the other angel that they're saying will bring us hope and freedom and he's standing on a pile of bodies and you're thinking what is this about <laughs> you know we're in our own world so so you t- since i've not seen them and i'm taking it you have cam what's yes. four and five like <laughs> what four happens five there? sound like they're still loosely related but the style you know this is when they're doing all the 
Hellraiser sequels in Romania, so it has oh, that kind oh, of look okay. too. So long story okay. short, part four feels like an exorcist uh omen uh hellraiser type movie just this cop is going around trying to figure out why everyone's acting all possessed and weird and of course uh one of them is a demon in disguise played by pinhead himself doug bradley no Uh way really yeah i'd watch it for that yeah it's a watchable b movie it's really not unwatchable like everyone was saying it's like no i this is not a Steven Seagal piece of shit or anything where you know, <laughs> asylum level. Now, five, five, it barely. And, and Carrie Wuhar is also in here as a cool screen queen uh, cool. heroine. He's so, awesome. yeah, so she's the only connection in these two. You, you still have uh, people, uh, 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 Sean Pertwee, you know. Oh, yeah. Always great. Uh, son of, uh, mm. what was his father's name who played Dr. Uh, jo- who? John Pertwee. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, he's yeah, here as a fun uh, cop hero. Cool. Uh, there's a lot more God and Satan symbolism, so that's why I give it a more exorcist kind of feel. Um, okay. But just on its whole, it's light entertainment. It's not a must-seek out, but it's hardly unwatchable garbage. Um, um, so, yeah, three and a half out of five for that. I'd at least recommend one of these. Now, Forsaken. This has another sinister character who's supernatural and a bunch bunch of renegade angels played by the candy man himself tony todd Ooh. fighting him is dylan played by jason scott lee who's been on stuff like hawaii 5 and dragon yep. bristley story yep and yep. That's uh, what I remember. it feels like a supernatural version of leon the professional hired uh, a sat contract hitman saving a girl <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah uh, uh, but uh Near the end, it looks like they lost their budget. There's a lot of overexposed lighting, but and gratuitous nudity. But it's it's fun. It's just not. It's just running out of budget by then that point. But um, yeah, there's a Wikipedia page showing the whole film series, and uh, uh, they were definitely filmed back to back. Steve Heiter plays the Archangel Gabriel. Uh. Oh, actually, no, 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 he did not. I was going to say, uh, wasn't he, he was, yeah, he was yeah, jo- no, sorry. Joseph. Corner the jo- corner Joseph. Uh, but yeah, it still has the same kind of thing, so it just feels like a spinoff thing. It might have worked better okay. as a TV show, but it's not not bad, but it's also going to be an acquired taste, so depending on your, how you accept low-budget B-movies, then that's going to be the determination. Oh. I love them. <laughs> All right. Perfect. So you're the audience, but most people yeah. aren't going to be today because they're like, no I was. Christopher... <laughs> no Christopher Walken. I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, to be fair, that's why I didn't. Um, but I am the sort of person who, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think it comes from growing up in the VHS era. I think it comes from growing up when, like, late, sort of late 70s, um a lot of the crazy stuff that was thought suitable for kids like disney live action yes. stuff <laughs> weird stuff and it gives you weird tastes and then the blockbuster era kicks off and all of a sudden everyone's got the money to shoot things and you're like oh okay um so i kind of always have a soft spot for action movies i have a soft spot for uh people who work at a lower budget i also don't think you can grow up watching british tv and not respect uh, what the what lower budgets can mean if you get good creatives in, you uh, know yeah. everything up 
watched as a kid in the 70s is dependent on a huge amount of imagination because they didn't have the money. <laughs> exactly. I previously uh, was uh, uh, doing an episode on Babylon 5, and that's definitely an example of, you know, there's some B-movie elements, but it's also kind of part of the sci-fi genre, and because it's just slow, so low budget, everyone kind of accepts it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I was a big fan of that. I actually got a. I remember when the pilot was being talked about in Starlog, I think it was, or Cine Fantastique, and I had a friend of mine in the states actually videotape it for me and post it over so I could see it because I nice. was that intrigued at the idea. I was just well, he was a friend who used to send me Star Trek ahead of time, and that was great. And Ooh. I was just like, yeah, um, he used to. Thanks to him, I could keep up with Next Gen when Sky bought it here. But it was one of those things where Babylon Five, just the idea that someone was going to put the money in, try a different show, use. Uh, new te techniques for, so for for special effects, I was in, you know? And even when this I watched it, it wasn't that great. Well, yeah, this Stargate and Battlestar Galactica are, like, the three mm -hmm. big, major, like, sci-fi franchises outside of Tracker, Star Wars, so it's interesting how they had that to compare to, and that was a possibility, but it definitely was one of those where it just showed you that you can make any kind of thing. Uh, uh, it just regardless of the budget just as long as the storyline was there and i mean it helps that both these films and various other tv around the same time it's a different era than guys where yeah you embrace what limited resources you have and you use a lot of steady cam and you know tracking shots and occasional handheld to create a bigger moment than what's there limit and these franchises this franchise itself especially has limited CGI and just more practicals, uh, you know, just pretty much they, they save all their action that you see in the trailer for, you know, the explosive finale and all the stuff in between. It's just simple chase scenes and suspenseful music. Mm. Playing. Mm. And it's okay. like, I think that really is the way to go. It's like, if you're going to use the do gunplay or sword fights, that should be in the finale that we've all yeah. paid to see. At yeah, yeah, yeah. To set it all up, then the rest is chasing and, or just yeah keep it simple and it seems like these were doing a good job of getting a lot of semi-known but affordable character actors who weren't uncommon to see on either the big screen or or the small screen you know especially mm -hmm. with Mads Madsen and Cotius you know mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they were doing every kind of movie back then um and uh walking you know he did everything but he definitely lent a lot of cool professionalism and credibility somehow to this uh, mm. so so all in all not not a waste of time i recommend everybody check these out now obviously if you're very nitpicky and everything you're gonna have be very bored by these but if you like <laughs> semi-gothic just kind of mystical fantasy adventure then have fun with it it's yeah. not gonna be earth shattering or change the world but it's hardly you know, unwatchable dribble. It's just kind of yeah. fun. Uh, yeah, for people who are in England, the the it's on Amazon Prime Video UK, uh, included with the the subscription, so you can watch it for free, effectively. And uh, that's another I thing too. They're very easy to come by, very affordable DVD or Blu-ray sets, and just very, like you say, streaming sites almost always feature some of these movies at one point or another. It's they're just fun. Yeah. And I think I think people who like you, I think you mentioned earlier uh, the feature version of Constantine. I think anyone who's come to Constantine via the DC TV stuff will probably dig this film. Absolutely. I think you, I, I think you, you get love a big good kick versus out. evil. If you want to see, you know, 
Obi-Wan, uh, Connor, Duncan McCloud type adventure, you know, just mm, yeah, yeah. kind of light action fantasy. If you like Blade, you know, definitely just kind of just have some fun with this. Just kind of a, yeah. See actors being actors and just laid back fight scenes, you know, just, this is the kind of film that I would love to see a special edition of. Like a, a decent transfer, you know, some money put into making it look good and sound good, but also some extras where we can hear from people who worked on it. You know, this is the kind of film we that We might have me... the right shout factory. You you know what? It's I'm surprised it hasn't turned up there already, but I imagine that has to do with everything Miramax being... Yeah, yeah Dimensions, they they're all five. tied up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we're seeing, you know, Blade's about to get a 4K release. I mean, if, if, really? if Blade, yeah, if Blade is 4K has, has been announced, was announced yesterday, uh, well, today or, today or yesterday, they, they put up artwork online, official artwork. So, uh, nice. but that's, from, that's, that's in Europe. So I'm assuming the US, basically the digital bit said, here's Germany's releases from Universal, presumably Warner Brothers will follow soon. Um, but I'm just thinking if we live in a world where that's possible, then, you know, Damn. it's the you know, I mean, when you look at some of the stuff that Arrow and Shout have put out, stuff that I never thought ever in a million years would get, you know, upgraded from VHS. And they finally it, they, they do the best, most beautiful editions. And you just think, how has everyone skipped the prophecy? And, you know, it's licensing. It's rights. And I just somebody should just cut the Gordian knot. I, I just think it's um, there's too many good people who are still alive who were involved with it. And, you know, the longer you wait, the less chance you have to kind of make a good fist of it in terms of an edition people would want to see. Um, and you could just throw throw in the other films as extras. Do you know what I mean? Don't <laughs> right. Um, I'd pay for that. <laughs> no, I'd pay for that. I'd... But I mean, Greg Whiten's still working. He's just written the Backdraft Two sequel that came out straight to video. Yeah. Um, yep. And I believe he's working on the film that Chadwick Boseman was going to do before he died, which is the Black oh, Samurai dear. story. Damn! Um, so he just can't get away from mystical sword warrior <laughs> no I, I you know how it is with hollywood i'm guessing that's why they gave it to him in the first place <laughs> yeah it's like where everything has to be based off the success of another film and then yeah. you slowly make it be its own thing eventually yeah exactly like, I mean, I, it's kind of like how now you see me wouldn't exist without something like oceans 11 or red you know true that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it like that. And it's then there's very... all these other knockoffs of Taken, Man on Fire, or Expendables. So there you go. You know, it's just... <laughs> yeah. I did, I did enjoy, weirdly, and now you see me when I saw it, I was like, well, this is fine. This is okay. I was not expecting anything more than what I got, I guess. Exactly. Just... And it, and everyone acts like, you know, everything has to be big screen, screen to get a bunch of sequels. It's like, no, there's plenty of stuff like these franchises we discussed today that get various other sequels because it's a passion of love and they know that there's something there they can build upon to generate revenue. But uh, sometimes it's even weirder how certain franchises don't get any other sequels. I thought they were going to do another Now You See Me or Equalizer yeah. at least, and it seemed like that's not in the interest. It's the same thing with Sicario. I was like, they did two, and I'm like, I thought they were going to do a third one. It's like, nope. Well, here's where it gets interesting, because I know Taylor Sheridan wrote a third one, was, or at least has the idea for a third one, because he publicly stated when they did the first film that he had two more films in mind. Uh, yeah, and I, I guess and I, 
you maybe know, now that he's busy with TV, it's going to be a while. I don't know. <laughs> I was about to say, I imagine that's exactly the problem because you, you know, once he became, you know, you, you, you hear what showrunners' lives are like. I can't imagine he's had a lot of time. And also, much as I, I enjoyed it personally, I think a lot of there was a lot of disappointment at the second film. I think. Um, I the the, the direct, Italian director Stefano Solima. I'm a big fan of his because he's done uh, amazing crime TV shows in Italy that are very well kind of um well paced well put together i mean his father was a famous uh director of spaghetti westerns crime films b movies oh, wow. uh stefano salima uh so, so, uh sergio salima was the father stefano salima is the son so i was looking forward to it and 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 it was nice to see him play with a big budget with american stars but even it just uh, yeah i can see why people felt it wasn't as good as the first one i mean he you know i like him but he's no villeneuve but i quite enjoyed the second one i thought it was all right it just wasn't what i think people wanted it like a lot of people went into it and they didn't know it was even related i'm like well yeah just, yeah does everything have to have a number two in it yeah yeah exactly um you know you've got I, the same... I was going with a few other people and they were like oh i had no idea it has somebody oh benicio del toro and josh brillen are playing the same you know federal contractors Wait, i'm like did they don't see the trailers <laughs> i mean even if you didn't see the trailer i i mean there was another movie release named Sicario. How would you forget that? And somehow people <laughs> forgot the name of the other movie they watched that they liked. And it was like, okay, I don't get it. That's a bad sign. That's a bad sign for any kind of franchise building. But then, I mean, I guess this is the other problem. Maybe it could have fun. been that it switched distributors. Because, like, the first one was, like, by Universal. And this, the second one was, like, by Sony. Was so it Sony? It was... Okay, I thought it was like, okay, yeah, no, that would make sense. That would might make be sense. different. Other elsewhere, but it's I was wondering if it's Lionsgate because Lionsgate seemed to have a tendency to push franchises further than they need to. That's true too. Um, I mean, uh, anyway. I, all these studios are eventually going to want to start looking for some other kind of franchise to bank on, but it's going to be very annoying because it's like they're still just kind of forcing everything out as opposed to doing making sure it merits it it's going to bring something mm. new and different um mm. Mm, and true. with this franchise we talked today it kind of was just always just about home media but it yes. had kind of a it, and it's definitely a must-see for fantasy lovers but it's not it's not earth-shattering it's not earth-changing but that's okay and everything has to be so no agreed i think we kind of maybe the online debate you and i started talking about at the start of this cast i think maybe that's the thing that uh people miss i think people miss the i the the thing you and i know which is that not everything has to be the best thing ever i don't know where that idea came from it's like yeah maybe maybe because everyone's got access to the so-called classics and can therefore see great films all the time but they you know those of us who grew up with there's an in-between you know mm. there's mm. Uh, there's yeah. popcorn there's even just watchable there's mediocre which is not the same as awful unwatchable or great you know so yeah and, true. and this is definitely one of those it's a laid-back fantasy franchise you're definitely going to remember it because some of the stars that were involved with it and how weird it was but much like highlander if you can be patient with all the various sequels they made to that then you can be patient with this <laughs> so oh i know people who are not patient with those <laughs> yeah i know right especially because it's like there's different versions of part two that are way better than the bad version we all mainly know so it's just like yeah and Again, at the end of the I day, the TV show is a whole different oyster compared to the movies. So it's like, yeah, 
in many ways since that's syndicated i I guess you could say that's the best iteration of it by far (laughs) yeah 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 i would i would go with you on that i i took a while to be convinced of the tv show but once i dived in i really enjoyed it i think it was not well advertised yeah (laughs) no no sci-fi over here sci-fi channel had it and they did a bad job yeah, I, I know, right? They would show it at <laughs> questionable times, is like when they were done showing Twilight Zone reruns, and same kind of difference here with all these franchises. Like after a while, it's like unless you were keeping up with everything on the video store shelf, you didn't really know what was what. <laughs> oh man, there's there's a phrase that there's a generation coming up who have no idea about the video store shelf. <laughs> No, not not nothing. They don't know much. And uh, hey, the kids I teach are too young, man. Too young. <laughs> that and streaming. What does it merit? It's like uh, streaming has definitely been a better way of covering out what was actually played at a festival versus what's premiering on the internet because it's essentially that's the new form of direct video. <laughs> yep, agreed. Agreed. Some of it yeah. will never even get physical release. That's the other crazy part is like some of the stuff is like unless you're subscribed to this channel you're not gonna be able to buy a personal copy of it <laughs> that, that really people. bugs me i have to say that really yeah. bugs me because what you if know? the internet crashes <laughs> it and it does all the time <laughs> right you know if you we're not saying takes that it out that movie's toast yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I i just i you know having worked in the business i understand why companies are putting their eggs in the in the streaming basket but i also think that making it exclusive is possibly the worst way to fail in future proofing your own archive i mean let's be honest studios don't have the best history in the world of they don't care about product. reviews and they don't want to produce more than they have to and at the same yeah. time like you say if you restrict your audience you can't you know, fair saying I didn't get much of my money back. It's like, exactly. yeah, because you didn't have any follow up release saying you can buy it three months from now. You know, mm-hmm. here's the street mm-hmm. date to buy this. And it's like, nope, you don't even have that. You didn't, you don't even have the promo tape that you advertise in the various video stores, nothing. It's, yeah. I mean, this is one of the things that fascinates me when, so, so quite a very long time ago, I, well, it feels like a long time ago, when I was in the home video business. <laughs> in a galaxy was, far away with angels. Yeah, it was only a decade. Sorry. It was only a decade. No, no, you're right. It, was, it, was what it feels <laughs> like. It was only a decade ago, but I was at the, the the meeting. So when Arrow first started their range of reissues. Carol releasing, start- guys, not the TV show. Sorry, Arrow releasing. Yeah, <laughs> they do region free Blu-rays. They are awesome. Much yeah. like vinegar syndrome. Uh, they, I was working for the sales company I, in a marketing capacity as that that was doing their sales, and um, th- we they'd only done three, maybe f- two releases at the time, and they wanted to pull the plug straight away because they weren't selling. And I, know, I went in right? to, yeah, and this I was in this an meeting in you London, so get your money right away. <laughs> Right, that was it. So there was myself. There was a guy who was the head of a PR agency. Well, he he's now the head of a PR agency. At the time, he was a second, second uh, the number two. He he. This was this had partly been his brainchild because he knew he could sell it. There was my, I knew him. I mean, this is typical British home video industry. Everybody knows everybody, you know. Um, and there was myself, <laughs> the head of sales, the head of the, the, this PR guy, and then the two main guys, Arrow, and we all sat down and we were like. You know, they were like, give us a... well, they were like, give us a reason not to pull a plug. And you know, myself and my friend and Alma, the PR guy, we were both like, you cannot pull the plug just because the first two didn't work. 
And they're like, well, why didn't the first two didn't work? Well, like, because there's been these Anchor Bay DVDs. They've been out for ages. People know the product. Right. I said, I said you gotta, you, you got to just wait. Let the Romero stuff. You know, we, we explained to them the long tail, you know, because the long tail was the thing that some people, I was in from the indie side, so I knew what we were talking about. But these guys were like thinking bigger, and we were like, "No, you need to you go wait. You, you, we're talking about Italian stuff. Get the Italian stuff. You get the full cheese. Get the the the, the Argentos, and you'll see how this goes." Exactly. And yeah, and thankfully they hung on, and 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 it's like one of those crazy things where I look back at that meeting, and I'm like. That meeting was literally the turning point for them. Like they were gonna just jack it in because they 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 did enough other jack things in other. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they they did enough other titles in other areas with their like, Arrow Academy. What had they were doing coach. was they were jacking off. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't thinking. <laughs> well, hey, you know, they did do the Tinto Brass titles. <laughs> oh, kinky! There you go. So it's kind of funny how that played out. They were just not. They not only yeah. were hoping for a release and hoping for an instant uh, feedback, but like you say, you're managing the marketing department. And so it's like, OK, well, <laughs> this is not going to happen overnight. you got to sell these X number of units. you got to reserve these number of stores. Otherwise, you won't get anything at all. Why bother? It's, it just amazes it was an expensive undertaking, though. That was the big thing. They, they, it was their first time going into the whole restoration side of things, uh, and up into and and they they had to take the plunge. But to be fair, they've survived when everyone else. I mean, all the companies I worked for then are, are gone, bankrupt, dead, you know, uh, or bought out. There isn't a single company I worked for at that time that is still exists in the same format. But they're there. They're still there. They they are, and they're bigger than ever. So. You know, they did the right. They they they've had a few missteps over the ways, but um, I can't even remember why I brought this up. Sorry, it was something you well, said. Well, it's it's just because we we've been discussing uh, just the home video yeah, uh, yeah, department yeah. and yeah. just how it's just been ever changing. And like you say, is like yeah. Dimension Films. You know, this is before this is around the time they get acquired by Disney. So you know, they had a little extra promotion and the Weinstein's before we found out they were scumbags. <laughs> yeah before we all found out everyone else knew apparently <laughs> yeah that's the sad part everyone else knew isn't it it's terrible um you know what it does bug me because i will go back and watch films and it'll be like i don't want to let it Produced bother me by bob Weinstein, you know? yeah, yeah. and all you can think of is who got shafted behind the scenes like i want to just enjoy uh, oh, the yeah. movie but i can't because i know that somebody somewhere got screwed over by them you know um I mean, I'd heard I'd heard stories about them as in in financial terms back at the time when I was in the business, but it was just, you know, I hadn't. This other stuff is just, oh god, vomit inducing. Well, um, there's that, and like you say, uh, they were pretty. They got away with it because you know they'd be angry at the various, uh, you know, meetings, but they just hid all their, you know, they didn't rape people on set. They just talked shit about them, and then you know, because mm, they went. Mm suck them off so it's just like okay this is really interesting how you know Joel Silver Scott Rune are known for being angry but they get away with it because they're also passionate and you know mm -hmm. haven't been yeah. known to run people over or you know <laughs> yeah so so, so uh, you know the um is it if memory serves didn't Quentin Tarantino say that the um the character that Saul Rubinick plays in True Romance was based on Joel Silver 
you know, the producer at the end when Christian Slater's like, oh man, <laughs> you know, body bags too. My dad loved that, you know. Um, but, and he, you know, the one where he's saying, I'll have you killed, you know. Um, and I always, these days, I keep wondering, are we sure? <laughs> or was it the Weinsteins? <laughs> yeah, I think he was just, the, that, that's why I lost a little respect for Tarantino because I was, and yes, yeah. Christopher Walken was in Pulp Fiction. So there's the reference for you guys if you want to be nitpicky. But uh, I, always, mm. I I did have to lose some respect for him because I was just uh, it was very clear that, you know, without them, he didn't have a career. But it's like, well, still, you know, these guys are bullies. Yeah. Don't support the bully yeah. no matter what. That's you don't have to talk him. back to him, but you don't in any way act like, you know, you're going to let him make you their bitch. Don't don't do it. So. Yeah, integrity, man. That's what it's called. I mean, and uh, you know, we still got Corona going on, and it's amazing how many people are still picking on each other at work. And it's like, how about just be thankful that you're still alive? But to them, it's just indecipherable. They're just like, oh, this is another reason to pick on the weak. And if this anything this fantasy franchise taught us, uh, the we anyone can be weak. Anybody, yeah. even the most powerful, can be defeated. So. There you go, guys. This is an inspirational <laughs> franchise. Yeah. I like that. Good ending, man. Good ending. Uh, I mean, we go for campy and sarcasm here. We are not, you know, we we love as many Roger Eberts and Rex Reeds as we do all the other just goofy uh, <laughs> Decker shadows and uh, online critics of the world. So thank you for joining me, uh, David. Feel free to plug yourself. Uh, thank you. Uh, right. So, yeah, people, you can find me at uh, 48 Consultancy on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, there Ooh. is each of my podcasts have got their own Twitter and Facebook page. So Real History UK, uh, Hustlers of Culture and Binges and Box Sets. Um, and there will be new episodes of Binges and Hustlers in the next couple of weeks. And then we should have Real History up and running again soon. And this time, this season, we're hoping to actually have some. Uh, a few more historians on. We had one historian on last season uh, to talk about Disney theme parks, which is her specialty, and her book is out this week. Uh, we're hoping to get a whole bunch more, including um, an Anglo-American historian who wants to do cover Hamilton with us. So that Ooh. should be fun. Yeah. Very neat. Very neat. Thank you. Uh, it's funny you brought that up because I, I was encountering a few people who were like, oh, they did a movie version of it? I'm like, yeah, they filmed one of the plays and yeah. made, it, made it look very theatrical for the most part so it's some people just can't keep up and it was inevitable and much like the video store uh, contrast it, it's amazing how some people are you know that's what streaming is built for they're going by again the hits on the site yeah okay yeah. well hopefully this is a hit and much like this <laughs> podcast we take off hopefully a little more and you know this will get posted around january ish february so uh thank you again it was a treat having you on here. So, <laughs> my pleasure. Absolutely a joy. Thank you very much for the We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight. The new podcast cure all. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts... 
Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin cough, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah, ah, ah. All that good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you <laughs> no, don't run the listeners away Pete. Ah, i'm sorry but this is going kind of long yes so we'll end this and say hey check out the home video hustle every friday on all the various podcast outlets peace peace as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia.
Cinemasia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. Her. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept Little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How be a How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh yeah. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one-line plot holes, a gratuitous movies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy. At EILFM.podbean.com. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.